Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Thursday night Hawks Insider Safe Space on Hawks Insiders. My name is Ashley Brown. Thank you for giving us, spending part of your Thursday evening with us as we have one last look at Hawthorne's nail-biting seven-point win over Gold Coast last Sunday in Launceston. Look ahead to Sunday's penultimate game of the season at the MCG, the last game in Melbourne for the year, Hawthorne v Richmond, or Richmond v Hawthorne, if you want to be perfectly precise, and review a big week at the Hawks. Lots of news around uh, that we will get into over the next hour or so. So thank you again for joining us. As always, I'm joined We're again for a bit short stick tonight. A couple away, a couple may join us in progress. Um Starting with Andrew Weiss. Hello, Andrew. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, all. And isn't it isn't it great that you know we've won the eight matches for the season, and everyone's pretty happy with that. So all the news going around, and there's heaps of it, actually has this positive edge to it. We'd only won four or five games, and we're talking about guys like Liam Shields potentially retiring or McAvoy, you know big boy retiring or we're starting to look at, at the draft or all of these injuries, there'd be such a, uh, a much more negative tinge to it all. But everyone's up vibe. Everyone's pretty happy. So it's a good time to be a member of the Brown and Gold faithful. And Brad Klebanski, you're even up a bit up and about. How are you? Hey, Ash. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. Yes. Excellent. Well, we've got a is that Trout, the famous Trout? Which famous Trout remember. from Woodend has joined us. The Opposition enemy. analysis. Uh, we might have to. <laughs> if he hangs around for a while, we He's might get him more, He's our opposition spy. He's, He's got a good a lot. man, Trout. He calls into the station, you know. Uh, he is. Daily. He's a good man. He's a very good man. And uh, Trout, uh, thanks for joining us. We might get you on at some stage. Give us the view from uh, Punt Road. Um as I said, down a couple of times, Darren Levine's apology. Danny's unsure. Mora may or may not join us, depending on uh, futsal and family duties, uh, which means more opportunity for you all to join. So uh, and join the conversation. If you want to say anything, raise your hand or permission to speak, we'll get you on as long as you're legit. We've had a few uh, bad eggs try to get through, but uh, we tend to work, have a way of working out who's standing and wants to talk. So uh, we'll get to you over the course of the next hour or so. Thanks for your support of Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a year for the best Hawthorne content on the Substack and also with these uh, uh, twice-weekly uh, audio events we do, our match review, which comes out sometime within 24 hours of the game and then our Thursday night spaces as it tends to be. Let's revisit Sunday in – or last Saturday in Launceston, uh, a lively opening and being quite a – Dreary couple of middle quarters and then a tense finish as the Hawks somehow survived 17 last quarter inside 50s from Gold Coast to hang on and win 10-10-70 to 8-15-63 uh, to the Suns. Jack Gunston, five goals. The hero, all five uh, first half goals as well. He was looking good, at halftime a good thing to get his personal best, which is seven, but uh, didn't get any in the second half at the Hawks. Did just enough to hang on to register, as we, as Andrew said, win number eight for the season, which I think, um, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but I think that's probably the upper ceiling of what a lot of people thought we would see for the year. So uh, another box ticked there. We'll start with you, uh, Wesley, what was the good? Well... There's a fair bit of uh, there's a fair bit of good stuff to go over, despite the fact that it was a pretty sloppy and scrappy game at times. And I think the main thing to focus on is the fact that we won and that we held on for a win. And you know, I've I've banged on about it all the year that regardless of most of the outcomes, that the big key for me this year and will be exactly the same next year is the experience that all of these young footballers get. And you have to go through every range of experience in-game to be able to add that to your portfolio to know what to do, what you did wrong, what you did right the next time that that happens. So 
to hang on the way that we did with, you know, um, with Gold Coast absolutely banging down the door, I think was absolutely sensational. Individually, it was good to see Jai Sarong get his debut and, and take that cracking mark. And he certainly looked likely at the level. Um, Emerson Jecker uh, controlling the back line looked fantastic. Another wonderful find. And as we discussed, Ash, in, in our player ratings pod, it's almost a shame that we've only got two weeks left of the season and not another 10 to be able to let him continue to flourish in that role. Um, our midfield, Ward, Newcomb, Moore, McDonald, and probably the highlight of the midfield would, would have been Finn and his role on Took was absolutely uh, top class. Uh, you mentioned Gunston and his goals. Uh, Blake Hardwick's game on Isaac Rankin. Um, Big Boys 250th. The pre-game Peter Hudson tribute and naming at the end of the ground. So um, that's just going over it pretty quickly, but definitely plenty to like there. Yeah, I actually wanted to uh, because it ended up being quite a busy week, but we might park it for another another week for the one of the off season. Is now that uh, one end of the ground has been named for Peter Hudson, who do we name the other end for? So. Um, but I think we might park that discussion for later on because it's a, a healthy sprinkling of very talented Tasmanians who played for the Hawks. Brad, your specialty subject, the bad, the floor is yours. Not a lot again, which is a good sign. Probably top of uh, the list, quarter number four. We had the wind in the last quarter, as you said, Ash, 17 inside 50s to the Suns. We should have lost. We were lucky to win in the end. Our backline did an incredible job in the last quarter. Uh, but, yeah, really poor uh, last quarter. You probably put that down to the younger legs. We had, if you include James Blank, who was our sub, we had 14 guys who were aged 23 or less. So that would have probably been one of our younger sides in probably the last, you know, uh, decade up probably. So good signs that uh, we won. Uh, MP's game, once again, disappointing. Come the start of next season, there is no way he's going to be a starting 22 player. He's had a really poor season, and I think his spot in the team is in jeopardy. Uh, Cozzy, again, cement hands, and I really hope he's not turning into another Timmy O'Brien, who we used to call uh, Timmy uh, almost. Gets Glimps- to the glimpses, we called him. Uh, glimpses O'Brien, yeah. And glimpses O'Brien. Cozzy is, I don't know what's going on, because... The last couple of years, he was clunking them. His kicking for goal was really strong. He seems to get to the contest, especially in the first uh, quarter and second uh, quarter of games, the first half. But he's just dropping so many marks. Like He's having the opportunity to kick you know, three or four goals a game if he holds on to his marks. Mitch Lewis hasn't been there for the last uh, couple of weeks. So he's going to get another opportunity again. And we'll see what happens. Because Richmond this week, Vlosten's out. Uh, Grimes is out, so he's going to get another chance this week to hopefully kick a couple of goals, and it's a winnable game. Even though the Tigers are playing to keep their season hopes alive, we can win this game. Yeah, quite frustrating, wasn't he? He just got into positions early and couldn't hold marks. Um, not quite sure what, what, what the situation is. He's a bit down in confidence. The work rate uh, is still is still there, and he's, uh, he's still presenting the contest, and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's just frustrating that he can't hold a mark. And he, I guess when you've got uh, – we'll get to the injury list later. When you've got 12 players now out for the season, he's getting a game not necessarily on form, but because I've got a few other options really now uh, to fill out the team. It's getting quite uh, it's getting quite desperate there and uh, it's digging the reserves deeply. So, Cosby will obviously play these last two games. Uh, fan experience, not a lot to report when you're watching it from the couch. Uh on the other side of the uh, of, of Bass Strait. I thought the crowd, uh, the, the TV talked up as a reasonable crowd, 9,000 people. I think the enthusiasm for Hawthorne and North Melbourne in Tasmania is slowly dwindling. I think that was evidence of that. Evidence of that. Been to see what happens in round 23 if it's a live game for the Bulldogs, what sort of crowd they get for that one. But, um, yeah, I just sense that the... Uh, 
There are a lot of that. I mean, I was surprised even at the 9,000 figure, to be honest, when it came out. I think there might have been a bit of mayo attached to that one. Lucy, you've been in Tassie a few times for games. And what did you think when they said the announced crowd was 9,000? Yeah, I think they always just put a zero on the end of their crowds down in Tassie. Uh, you not saying the 900 there? Oh, no, well, maybe not that bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've probably been to half a dozen games in Tassie and I reckon I've been surprised by the reported crowd figure every single time. So, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to tell. And, you know, from a TV point of view, you can always mic up uh, louder sections to be able to make it feel uh, like there's more people than, than there actually are. But, yeah, watching it on TV, it did not look like there were 10,000 people there, 9,000 people there. I don't know why they play Saturday afternoon footy in Tassie, in both Hobart and Launceston, because they don't suspend, I mean, and nor should they really, but local footy doesn't stop for the AFL games when they come to town. They really should be playing them on a Sunday and making it a bit more of an event and getting a bit more uh, a, ch- a chance for people, you know, families to come together with, with fewer things, fewer competing interests on a Which Sunday to try and get to the games. Which, funnily enough, is probably the reversal of what a lot of Hawthorne supporters want here as opposed to these Sunday afternoon and late Sunday games that we seem to get a lot of um, having a traditional Saturday afternoon time slot, which we haven't had that much of. So, uh, yeah, flip that and that will probably keep a lot of people happy on, on both sides of the, uh, the straight. Uh, and just quickly, boys, give me your votes. Uh, do you want to go first, Brad? Yeah, no worries. Uh, Jack Gunston, three votes, kicked five goals. The winner for us won us uh, the game in the end. I gave Finn McGuinness two votes. Another brilliant game by Finn on Took Miller. 82 total metres gained by Took, the lowest he has had in a game in over three seasons. Another one that Finn adds uh, to his uh, list, who is beaten easily this season. And has cemented his spot in our best 22, which is awesome. And I gave one to Blake Hardwick. Held Isaac Rankin to zero goals, 11 touches. Should be in the All-Australian 40. Uh, Unlucky, John Newcomb, who was probably, with Finn, our best midfielder for the day. Don't forget with... um... (laughs) With McGuinness, as Stuart Dew has asked before the game, have you got a plan for when... Uh, McGuinness goes to Miller and he said, yes, we have. And they knew it was, they knew it was happening and McGuinness still dominated him. So it just speaks volumes now of, uh, of what, why McGuinness has elevated his game. So uh, he deserves it all. Uh, where you see your votes? Uh, so very similar to Brad, uh, I gave one to Blake Hardwick. I gave two to Jack Gunston. And if you want to talk about... Um, if you want to talk about something that shows how he's elevated his game, uh, two months ago, if you would have uh, said to me that twice in the space of a few weeks I'd be giving Finn McGuinness three votes in my match votes for a game of AFL footy, uh, I would have asked what you're on. Um, but, yeah, he was immense. The only blemish, I think he should have kicked that goal. And um, there's probably over the last, four or five weeks, he's, he's had a couple of opportunities to kick more goals that he probably should be kicking. So if he adds that element to his game, especially when it doesn't matter if he's only having, you know, 10, 12, 14 touches when he's doing such a good job negating the opposition player, if he can add that extra goal to the game that he should be kicking, he's a powerful unit and a walk-up start in our starting 22 next season. James, good evening. You got a question for us? Yeah, thanks, Ash. Um, um, I'm coming in a bit early, I suppose, but uh, I was just interested in your, the comments before on Tasmania. Um, I've been thinking about this for a couple of years. I, I'd really like those four games back in Melbourne so I can actually go to them. I have been down there, I think, three times at a very good weekend, but um, um, I think it's time, and I... I really liked, I think it was Weesey's comment about the time slots. I love those games in Melbourne. I love going to the MCG about 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. And, um, you know, that's. I'd love to get back to that a bit more. And just 
one follow-up question. Are there any plans to build a York Park-like stadium in the southeast of Melbourne? I seem to remember something out to do with Casey Fields a, a few years ago. Does anybody know about that? Because I'd much rather play GWS Giants somewhere in Melbourne um, rather than York Park. But anyway, that's just my say. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Jane. Well, a couple of things. We'll go through it. Um, well, I'd, I'd say within three to four years, there's every chance I'll be playing a lot more games in Melbourne because what's going to happen with Tasmania is either Tasmania is going to get its own licence, um, in which case Hawthorne may just continue on a drip feed basis for a couple more years, um, or Tasmania won't get a licence. The state government might well tell the AFL and then... Uh, by association, Hawthorne and North Melbourne to get stuffed and withdraw the sponsorship, in which case Hawthorne will also uh, therefore likely retreat from Tasmania and be playing more games in Melbourne. Um, what I would like to see Hawthorne do is develop a secondary market. My radical idea for Hawthorne for a secondary market is actually to play one or two home games at Optus Stadium because they are dying for AFL content over there. They'll pay for it. Hawthorne has a decent AFL uh, Hawthorne's a decent supporter base in Perth and as was showed with the Dreamtime game and, all, and a couple of other neutral games during the uh, COVID period people in Perth will go to AFL games that don't involve West Coast and Fremantle so I would be doing a deal not to play you wouldn't want to be playing West Coast or Frio as the home team you wouldn't be that silly but why not play GWS or why not play North Melbourne who also have a decent following in WA um, and dare I say it, as much as I like the games in Melbourne, play play Carlton, who's got a massive supporter base in WA. They should be looking to play one or two home games off the stadium um, as a point of difference as well. That, that's what I would be doing. Second part, and we'll get the other guys to chip on this as well, What I don't think they're going to build a York Park stadium in Melbourne uh, as a sort of a venue for smaller games. What may be the case is a lot of these clubs are building these new facilities and have spectator facilities. Hawthorne might build a facility out at Dingley, which is going to be up, is going to be suitable to host the AFLW team. What they might think about doing once it's up and running, they might look and say, you know, if we build a temporary stand, we can have fifteen, we can have a capacity of fifteen thousand people, which might be enough to host a game against the Giants. You never really know. So. That's more likely to be the case, I think, than them building a new AFL stadium out at Casey Fields. I mean, you can look now with the, with the wisdom, of, with wisdom of hindsight, they're building the suburb, suburban rail loop. Would have been fantastic if they had a – you know, if, if Waverley had been kept as a reduced stadium, which they probably should have done. They could have downsized that to a 25,000-seat stadium and kept it going. They didn't have the foresight to do that, and that opportunity is now lost. Uh, Andrew or Brad, do you, you want to add to that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, holistically, of course, we want as many games here that we can go to for those of us that are from Melbourne on the space and, and Melbourne-based members and, and playing them at home at our home ground where we're going to win our next flag, all that jazz. But the reality is that from a commercial point of view, I feel like if there isn't a Tassie licence for two, three, four years and we can continue based on all of the work that we've done so far with the Tasmania major sponsorship, obviously on the jumper, with the matches, the million dollars plus that we're getting there, the 10,000 Tasmanian members that we have on board, the corporate support we get on in Tasmania, um, especially having pulled out of pokies and having the Dingley project We've worked bloody hard, so it's, it's been something that we've built up to this point, but I kind of feel like if we get another year or another two years in Tassie, that is basically as good a gift horse as you could possibly get. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, it's, it's got an end. It's, there's an end. There's an end site for Tasmania. Um, there'll be some goodwill if they get their own team that they'll be happy to have AFL content on an ongoing basis until they've got their own team. But I don't think they'll be throwing the sponsorship and the clean stadium at Hawthorne anymore. I think it'll be a reduced... Even if they continue, it'll be a reduced deal. Hawthorne needs to start weaning itself off Tasmania. Um, and it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great to have more games to go to Melbourne. It won't be another four at the MCG. You can take that to the bank. It'll be, you know, it'll be an 8-3 split with Marvel, 
for the home games, maybe 9-2 like Melbourne, like, like Richmond and Collingwood will get if they're lucky, but I'm not sure Hawthorne will be quite as lucky um, in that situation. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to look at us. You know, I, I would like to think the club will be a bit of interest and look, try and develop a secondary market somewhere that they can uh, call their own um, down the track. And, you know, the, the, the Hawthorne's going to miss a lot of things about Tasmania. It's going to miss the home ground advantage. I mean, they don't, you know, they don't beat teams like, even in Melbourne, I'm not sure they would have beaten Gold Coast. I mean, down Tasmania, they were cherry ripe to beat. It's worth, it's worth, it was worth a couple of wins a year when Hawthorne were, were good, and I think it's still worth one or two wins a year now when the team's not so good. But we should uh, enjoy it while we can. Brad, any thoughts? You've got, uh, covered it all. I think I agree with uh, Weissy, though. I think uh, financially it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and it's important for us, obviously, with the pokies gone now. But I like your suggestion about the uh, Dingley Stadium. That's obviously going to become our new home, you know, for the next, hopefully, you know, 50 years. And what we're building out there is going to be unbelievable. I think they're basing it off what a lot of the uh, uh, US sports teams do, I think, or maybe a couple of the soccer clubs. It's going to be state-of-the-art. There's no reason why, as uh, you said, they couldn't build like a 15-seater stadium. And I guess similar to how the Bulldogs go down to Ballarat, obviously Dingley isn't as far as our Ballarat, but it'd be a great new uh, base uh, for us to hopefully or potentially play games against the likes of the GWS and uh, Gold Coast there instead of having to go to Tassie. But I agree with Lisa. I think Tassie is still on the cards for at least another couple of years. It's interesting with uh, the Temple might be Brisbane who are building their new facility out. I think it's Springfoot, Springwood or Springfield out in the uh, in the sort of the western area of Brisbane. The gap is going to be closed for about five years, but what be the redevelopment for the Olympics? So Brisbane has to find a second home, and they're mulling over a couple of different options at the moment. Um, and one of them might be to have use the Brisbane showgrounds for some games and play a few games against the smaller drawing teams at their facility and, again, just put temporary seating in because it's going to have about 10,000 capacity for AFLW. Anyway, James, you got another question for us? Sorry, I just wanted to make one final comment on what we're talking about. Um, one, I couldn't agree more with Waverley Ash. Um, two, um, if Dingley was to be, you know, configured to some sort of, you know, ability to play a couple of games there, that's in a much more public transport desert than uh, Waverley ever was. Well, that, um, that, is, that is true. Um, and, you might have to take over the Dinsan Market Gardens <laughs> next door and park all the cars across. Well, I suppose there's a lot of grass there to park the cars on, but, um, yeah, if you want to get there in public transport at the moment, it's a no-go. Um, and, look, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying about Perth. I'd, I'd, I'd say one game, you know, I'd happy to lose one game if it's about, you know, money and the like but look you know Hawthorne is a big has built itself to be a big club in Melbourne we should be in Melbourne um and you know it's I just find it a bit now it's a bit gimmicky to sell games somewhere Hawthorne's in Melbourne you know sorry that's my final word thanks for listening to me tonight guys <laughs> no pleasure James thanks for being on board yeah you're right I mean we look at the St Kilda could miss the finals by a game, Brad, and it could be because they lost that game to Port Adelaide in Cairns instead Absolutely. of playing instead of playing them at Marvel Stadium. And Richard missed the finals one year, I reckon, because of the Carmichael Hunt goal after the siren uh, when they were playing games in Cairns. Yeah, it seemed to cost a few teams over the years. I think St Kilda seemed to have lost, I reckon, in the last few years. The games that they've sold... I reckon they've uh, lost all of them in the last three or four years. So it does, it can come back to hurt you, especially if you play games in, you know, places like Cairns where the conditions are just terrible. So, That's why, I mean, having built it up as a fortress, it's not just that we've sold games, it is that our winning record there is so incredible that the value... The four-point value, the four-premiership point value is a real thing because we're not going to a venue that we've sold out to go to and be losing games. There's that, that, there's that tangible, but we win them, so we still get the premiership points side of things as well. 
All right, let's move on to uh, Box Hill. Danny normally would be our Box Hill expert, but he is a, a non-starter. Um, he's a non-starter this evening. Uh, uh, Trout, Trout, you got a question for us? We'll get you on now. Get you yeah. on uh, early. How are you? Well, how are you going? How's it's it going a privilege. Then? It's a privilege a and honour to have you. I've got a couple of questions on what you've been discussing. First of all, the home games in Tassie or WA, I would feel the money that Tassie give you or the money you're going to get from WA is virtually probably going to be roughly around the same value. Um, so would, then that comes to the question, if you're 10,000 members in Tassie, how many of those would jump off if a Tassie team came in? So do you, you end up losing a lot of money. And at some point going forward, the Victorian Hawthorne uh, members deserve to have uh, full seasons in front of them and the option to go. No, you're 100% right that uh, Hawthorne supporters also understand uh, they've seen the economics of Tasmania work. And it won't be four games. It might be one game. It might just be, let's just sell one game. Uh, it's a very crowded market in Victoria. Your club has gobbled up a lot of the market. I mean, Richmond, uh, you know, Richmond get a lot of the showpiece fixturing. Richmond and Collingwood tend to get the showpiece fixturing at the MCG these days. Hawthorne, you know, Hawthorne plays six games the MCG for the year. Three of them, four of them are done by about round seven or eight. So for the last two thirds of the season, Hawthorne's had two home games at the MCG plus one at Marvel Stadium, Victoria. So they've just got to look to be a little bit different. That's all. I'm, I'm not arguing for four games in WA, but I wouldn't mind one if if the WA government or off the state is going to give them 300 in their kicker, 300 k in the kicker to play the game there. You'd be mad not to think about it. And Trout, it's also forecasting, Ash mentioned earlier, that one of two things is most likely going to happen. Either Tasmania get their own team and then we're going to have to retreat and it'll be hard to keep those members in anyway. Or the AFL decides not to have the team there and the money from the Tasmanian government will less likely be given to us as a club as opposed to invested in other sporting organisations that are happy to be coming, whether that's basketball or A-League or any other comp that wants to, you know, lay some roots down in Tasmania. Certainly what will happen is the Launceston, um, I don't know if it's Launceston County, Northern Tasmania tourism. I mean, Hawthorne playing, uh, when they play, not so much play at Gold Coast, but Hawthorne plays a Victorian club. There's lots of tourism to uh, northern Tasmania when the Hawks come to town. Uh, the, the pubs and the restaurants and the hotels and the other tourist attractions uh, are, are pretty busy. So they certainly will have to account to the government. Uh, the, 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 the businesses and the, 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 those who rely on that, on that tourism income when Hawthorne comes to town will have a case to make to the government to say, well, hang on. Keep it going because you, you know this this is a real boon for our economy. So, but that, that's a discussion, I think, for Tasmanians to have. Yeah. What about what about the option of knowing that Tassie's going to finish up? And I, I do think they'll eventually get their own team. Um, I don't know how the players react by living down there, where they might live in Melbourne and fly down because you can imagine no night, not much nightlife, and all that sort of stuff down there. But what about if Hawthorne get jumped the gun now and say, you know what, we're going to get less money down at Tassie, so let's hit the AFL now and grab two Thursday night games and a Monday night game to compensate for our um, uh, Tassie money. And, and the, the money that comes in on free-to-air TV and the viewers that are watching the Thursday night ones, because I, I love them. I, I love watching every week I'll watch it. And I'll also... If Richmond was playing, I'd go. I would only be happy with probably two, maximum three, throughout the season on a Thursday night because it is hard to get up and work the next day. But that's where that's where the new money is. Yeah, good point. I think Hawthorne um, and North Melbourne may, if the AFL does the deal with the Tasmanian government for a team, then there's certainly a case for Hawthorne and North Melbourne to apply to, apply to the AFL for some sort of compensation out of it, whether it's going to be just a, you know, a, a underwrite the loss membership that become that, that turned to Tasmania. Hawthorne did a bit of a deal like that when they left Waverley as well. They got a fairly good compensation deal out of the AFL for giving up Waverley uh, 
in the end without without a fight um, and got some and moved to the MCG and got some underwritten membership and sponsorship revenue out of that. Certainly, and the bigger picture of Thursday Night Football Trout is that if they're going to bring in every week and you've got maximum two five-day breaks per team, so you're looking at 23 Thursday nights and 23 Friday nights, you can't schedule the same eight to ten teams in prime time in those slots. The AFL is going to have to share it around anyway. You can have, by necessity, you're going to have to play pretty much every team's going to get one or two games on a Thursday and Friday night just to for for the sake of uh, of um, equity in the competition. Uh, they're going to have to do it, and and at fairness, they're going to have to do it as well. Um, even the and the NFL, the, the AFL looks to all the time the. Uh, um, Thursday night football, and Brad, you're a big NFL fan, you can jump in on this one. Every team plays on a Thursday night once, even though it's a, a prize time slot now, every team gets to look in because it's a, it's a, it's a question of fairness. Yeah, that, that, that can be done. But you don't have to play, um, let's say, June, uh, you know, the, the winter, real deep, cold winter months at the MCG. You could play it at, at Dockland. Or you could play it in WA on a Thursday night. Um, but... If you can have you can have um, Hawthorne versus I don't know uh, St Kilda on a, on a Friday a Thursday night because if if you pick the draw out reasonably like they do every six weeks or something it doesn't have to be the top two teams it can be it can be the teams that are similar in the in that that same vein that are going to be competitive it's going to be a close game yeah well they're, they're going to have um, well there's between sixteen and twenty three Thursday night games. Next season, apparently Channel Nine is making a bid for Thursday night footy um, to 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 own that. It'll 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 all wash up uh, all wash up pretty quickly. I think, as I said, I think it'll be shared around Thursday night footy. Um, and look, yeah, the MCG, you guys drew twenty thousand on the on th- even your supporters didn't go to that Thursday night game when you played Port in the middle of the year. It was uh, bloody freezing, and nobody went. So you're right; they're going to be very careful about who they play and when they play. Trout, thank Ash. you. Good to have you. Yeah, no, no worries. Thanks for. I just seen it up there, and I thought I'd tune in and listen to get a bit of gossip for Dimmer for coming up to this. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. so, send our, be- send our best to the Tigers insiders. Well, we we are the underdogs. We've got twelve players that are in twenty nine years <laughs> and, and above. So you know, like, you know, yeah, we could one. be tired by half time. Yeah, good one. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. Hey. No, no worries. Hey, Ash, just a question before we move on, because um, I'm intrigued by, I had no idea about the membership concessions leaving Waverley. Just a question. Do you know, was St Kilda afforded the same concessions given that they were happy to move or was that uh No, because the they were supposed to make sweetener? money at, they were suppo- you know, the AFL supposedly engineered the deal at Dockland so those teams would make money. Now, it didn't turn out to be the case. But Hawthorne, because um, Hawthorne could have dragged the AFL through the courts and delayed the whole thing. So pretty much, they, they, Ian Dicker was very played it very smartly. Said, you know, made yeah, threatened to make all sorts of noises. The AFL approached him for uh, offered him a deal, which he took. And as I said, it was some sort of initial underwriting of membership, and I think the sponsorship because they had you know, so many members in that area that they were worried about losing, and that attracted a fair bit of sponsorship from that part of the town as well. Um, that they were worried about losing in the end. I don't think they lost a whole lot. And, you know, a lot of supporters were really happy to go to the MCG. And the crowds didn't suffer really at all from the move to the MCG. It helped that those first couple of years at the MCG, Hawthorne had a pretty good team. So, but, uh, no, no, yeah, if, if Tassie comes in, there'll be, I reckon there'll be some sort of compensation for them. There won't be a lot. Um, and the Hawthorne's certainly preparing for life after Tasmania. That much I do know that there, a lot of financial planning and forecasting has taken place at Hawthorne to assume that they don't, that they no longer play games in Tassie. Anyway, we're getting bogged down in this one, and it's one we can talk about later on when the deal goes down. Um, Danny is not with us. He's looking after his kids tonight. But uh, the VFL, uh, Box Hill, 16-8-104, defeated Frankston, 8-5-53. We had goals to Callow kick three, Kavara three, Green Saunders, Windsor two, Ed Phillips, Tom Phillips, Rams and Schulz, one goal each. Notable players really was um, Tom Phillips did 20, 23 touches, won't play again this year with his knee. Um, Ramsden moved very nicely. I, even though the Hawthorne game was on, I did flick over a couple of times to the uh, 
Box Hill game. And every time I, looked, I flicked on, Ramsden was doing something very nicely and slightly, uh, might I say, Brad, a touch of the Luke Jackson mobile ruck about him. We need him. Big boys hanging them up with Reeves and Lynch, who we just don't know. Where is he, Max Lynch? I wanted Princey to be on. Hopefully one of our Hawks insiders has the inside goss. Why is Max Lynch still not inside yeah. this week? Yeah. Rumours were going around last week that he was sick, which is why he didn't play. But there is no reason why he shouldn't be playing this week, especially against Nank, who's in really good form. Big boy's playing pretty well. But as we've seen this season, we play our best when we play two rucks. And Nank is definitely the type of ruckman. You need two guys to wear him down. I don't, uh, did Soldo come in? I didn't see the Richmond side. Trout might be able to tell me because Nang played one out last week against Port and didn't have a ruck. Yeah, Soldo Solo's on the of bench. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the teams later on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so who knows? But there's now, that's a nice segue in the injury list. Now 12 players at Hawthorne who have been put in cotton wool for next season. So clearly, and with, with uh, CJ and Mitch Lewis added to the list, uh, Tom Phillips as well. Um, and Josh Morris. So they announced four players in the space of 48 hours not coming back this season. I'm not sure they're doing any sort of decent match sim training out at Wavy now, given there's so many players not training. But certainly I think it, the goal is pretty clear. Sam Mitchell at this stage is now more interested in having a full list on the first day of pre-season, which will be mid-November for the 1-4s to and start of December for the five-year-plus players. Far more interested in having a full list for pre-season training than he's a, a, a strong squad to choose from for the last few games of the year. So I didn't... And I think, Ash, I think your headline a couple of weeks ago, uh, Burge, 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 Burge is the word. Yeah. Uh, I've got a feeling that, you know, no doubt, we, we were talking about it on our WhatsApp earlier. It, clearly, if there was something to play for, half of these guys would still be in the frame and doing a lot more rehab and potentially more intense training to be playing this week or next week or the following weeks. But why? And no doubt in conjunction with Peter Burge, who'll be saying, yeah, here's another one. You can just wrap in cotton wool. We'll ease him in and get them ready for pre-season. It's funny that Peter Burge is still working for Richmond as well. So. So he's in the position where he's uh, he might be having quiet word to Sam about who's uh, who, who's going in for early surgery, while at the same time uh, trying to physically prepare Richmond to beat Hawthorne at the MCG on Sunday and prepare for finals. And uh, if Richmond do take make the finals, that's another two weeks before Bird can start work at the Hawks. So uh, it's an interesting time. The, the, uh, the burner phone conversation between Peter Bird and Sam Mitchell, I think, would be very interesting at the moment. Very, and I think, you know what, I think it's another extra element to, you know, the whole uh, AFL versus NRL, what starts with player movement uh, and the maturity to still be able to play for your club, uh, even though you're announced as going to another club. The next season, often we see even assistant coaches uh, getting gigs later in the year. And I think you mentioned about the lodgings, which we'll get to, um, that when someone's announced or they know that they're going to another club, often it's best for everyone to see you later straight away. So Burge still being there is is another sort of little interesting offset to those conversations about, do they stay in? Do they have the maturity to be working that job versus do you just want to get full on into your new project? Yeah, I'd love to know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I, I find hard to believe that Bert isn't already making some, uh, is, is involved in some of the meetings at Hawthorne in terms of how they're prepared. Because you've got to be across these conversations um, given that he's taking charge of the players in early November. But look, as you said, he's still, we'll see him on Sunday. He'll be in the Richmond tracksuit. So, um, looking after their guys. So it's a funny, interesting time of year. But actually, on the list, August the 1st is when assistant coaches um, are supposed to be given notice about leaving. I can't imagine any of the Hawthorne coaches will be leaving after a year with Sam, given it's the first year of 
his first year of his hand-picked team working together. The, if there's going to be a coaching announcement out of Hawthorne, it'll be, you know, with the extra $500,000 in the soft cap, that there'll be one or two coaches perhaps joining the program. That may be announced a bit down the track. Um, Brad, only one Hawthorne player being John Newcomb named in the squad for the AFLPA 22 under 22. Uh, has Hawthorne been snubbed, or do you think the fact that most of our good play, good emerging players are already 23 has a bit to do with it? Yeah, I reckon it's fair. Jai's obviously had a brilliant season. Whether he makes it or not, it's going to be touch and go. That's a hard spot to get on on a ball or uh, midfield for Jai. Uh, as I've mentioned numerous times this year, Will Day's had a really disappointing season. I know he's been uh, injured and hurt for most of it. Suspended, you know, suspended. He's copped a few knocks. He was. He should have made in that squad if he had a decent season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he would have definitely uh, made it. But now, uh, as we know, you know, most of our, you know, top younger players at the moment are probably a little bit yeah, uh, older than that. You know, James Blank's a mature ager, so he obviously wasn't going to make it in there. Josh Ward will make it there next season. Hopefully, Connor McDonald as well. Sam Butler's another one who's got the potential to get a small forward position. But when you look at uh, the names on uh, the list, we've got a lot of superstars in the competition. So it's an exciting few years ahead, not just uh, for us, but uh, for the competition because that's going to be a hard team to crack into. Anyone in that uh, list uh, deserves uh, to be in that side. So it's going to be an interesting one. I reckon Jai, it's going to be touch and go. Well, a couple of things I'll touch on quickly before we get to sort of our talking points for the evening. Uh, the three-peat book will be out very shortly. It's by Slattery Media. Recommended retail price $55. Uh, it is – I've got a copy, physical copy of it now. We're going to run an excerpt on Hawks Insiders the next week or so. Fantastic book. It is really the inside story of the three-peat through the eyes of pretty much anyone who mattered in the club that time, coaches, players and officials. Uh, if you love Hawthorne, it is you'll you'll be fascinated by every single word. The words leap off the page. The stories are there. It's fantastic. It's fascinating. So I can't. And yes, I'm big biased because I helped write it. But any good contributor? Well, that, apart from myself, there's a few mugs out there. But uh, no, I uh, I really enjoyed my conversations with people for it. But uh, there's some really good writers. It's you know, guys like Dan Eddy who's a great writer and. Uh, Peter Sisto is a great Hawthorne man. Ben Collins, um, Nick Bowen, and Jeff Slattery himself has written for it too. Uh, and Peter Haby, the club historian, has written a, a chapter as well. So I uh, can't recommend it highly enough. $55 if you're asked what you want for Father's Day or for Mother's Day, for Christmas, for Hanukkah, whatever's going around, whatever tickles your fancy. This is absolutely at the top of your wish list. Uh, and another important book that's come out, the Pete Dixon's book uh, about his brother Rob. Uh, I've had a look at that one as well, and there's a touch of Hawthorne in that book as well. That's a fantastic story about the late Rob Dixon, who was a Hawthorne player, filmmaker extraordinaire, winner of Australian Survivor uh, in the first year, and it was on Channel 9. He was cra- tragically killed in the car accident in South Africa in 2009. That's a really good book as well. So if you are into footy books, that's one I recommend. Um, also recommending for your listening pleasure, Will Schofield, the former West Coast player and budding excellent journalist, by the way, Brad. Um, we should get him at SEN somehow. Um, Back Chat is his podcast. He's done one this week with Sam Mitchell. I'm halfway through listening to it. Uh, it's a bit West Coast heavy because I talk a lot about the West Coast premierships, but it's a great insight into Sam Mitchell. Um, a very expansive. It's a, the interview goes for more than an hour, so want to get a bit of insight into the coach of Hawthorne, find that through your favourite podcast provider after, of course, you've listened to our podcast. Um, AFL Leadership Group has been announced. Tilly Lucas Rod will be the inaugural AFLW captain. That was announced last week. The Hawks play the Tigers at MCG Sunday at 11.30am, at 10.30am, sorry, as a curtain raiser to the Richmond Hawthorne men's game. So if you're not doing anything Sunday, you've got some time to kill before the big one. Get there early and support them. Round one, the Essendon game has been sold out at Port Melbourne. We await the announcement of the move to Marvel Stadium, but that is going to happen. So that is going to be... So to it, it's to go, my understanding is it's actually going to happen. I just haven't announced it yet. They're looking for suitable opportunity to announce it, but that will happen. That's going to be very exciting. A standalone Saturday night game. 
the Hawks and the Bombers. Um, and, yes, we could to see as many Hawthorne people there as possible. Okay, talking points. The main one for the week, and, again, we really encourage you to come aboard and take part in this, is that Ben McAvoy has retired. The Hawthorne captain will play his 252nd, hopefully. He'll make it. This 252nd last game uh, next weekend against the Western Bulldogs in Tasmania. He said in a very uh, good media conference yesterday that uh, his body probably has a bit more left in him and hasn't broken down yet, but he mentally he's just about shot, which is a fairly willing, a fairly frank ambition for a football to make. Usually it's the other way around. So um, I want three things I want to raise with you gentlemen about uh, Ben McAvoy. Firstly, just give me your favourite hits and memories of, of the uh, number seven for Hawthorne. He's just been a uh, warrior. That's how, you, like, from when we got him, I remember when we, uh, I think we traded, was it, it ended up being Shane Savage and I think the picks and Kilter took uh, yep. Dunstan. Luke Dunstan was at the trade and we ended up with Which was, McAvoy. That was the buddy compensation pick. Yeah, and it's unbelievable to think about it because I'm pretty sure even when we got McAvoy, a lot of St Kilda supporters had, had earmarked him as their next star captain. I might be wrong, but I remember him as a real – he had uh, leadership from a very uh, young age and a lot of St Kilda fans were disappointed. And I think I heard some comments uh, last week was that Lee Montagna and uh, Rewalt, you know, who were really disappointed that the Saints had uh, – let him go, but since he stepped our foot into our club, he's been unbelievable. He's a leader, speaks really, really well. He's obviously been our captain for the last uh, couple of seasons, and he's actually played really well. I know his body's struggled a bit, but every time he stepped foot on the field, he's played a hundred percent. The headbands on, you know, for seasons before the games even started. Uh, even on the weekends, uh, he went off, he had a cut on his head, um, gave his all for the Hawks, and yeah, we'll end up being um, a champion of our club. Where is he? Yeah, I think, interestingly, with that trade, I mean, we spent so long being angry that one of the you know, greatest generational or players of our generation we, we could... Um, of course, because that's how the system was set up, fairly or unfairly get stooged with the pick that we got for Buddy. Um, and even at the time, turning Savage and Buddy into McAvoy, uh, there was still a whole host of question marks around it. And, and obviously, you can look at what happened with the flags, but the service we've got out of out of Ben McAvoy certainly can't be questioned and I mean for me a personal experience um, my son Ethan who was given a um, an experience through uh, through a, uh, an organization called little dreamers who do incredible things for carers um, young carers managed to get a training experience a few years ago uh, and he managed to go to a training session and he got out there and Ben McAvoy just took him under his wing the whole session and introduced him to every player and every person. And, you know, that that's just the guy he was all the time, like such a great guy, such a great human being that there's no wonder, you know, those qualities went into the fact that he was given the captaincy and really has done a stunning job with it. So... Um, yeah, he, he'll certainly be etched in history as you know one of one of our best ruckmen, but also you know a great clubman, and, and lucky to have got him across to the club. Well, a couple of things I want to discuss. We're probably not going to do them either justice, but we will have a couple of brief remarks now, and as we do our off-season spaces, we'll have a lot more time to discuss these. But obviously now at least. Uh, Hawthorne's ruck strategy for next season comes into play now without McAvoy. The list as it stands will have uh, Ned Reeves, Max Lynch and uh, young Ramsden, Max Ramsden. Uh, we'll, we'll probably throw around some candidates uh, when we get to some our off-season spaces, but uh, you would think at some stage, Brad, the Hawks are going to have to invest in 
in that get involved in that ruck merry-go-round of those sort of third and fourth string ruckmen who you bring to your club for a year or two, just as a backup. We've had a few over the journey, the Wade Skippers and Brock McCauley's and Keegan Brooksby's. We've had a few. It looks like Hawthorne will have to enter that market again. Absolutely. We cannot go into next season with just Reeves, Lynch, uh, Ramsden. We're going to have to get someone. I think they've probably already started having uh, conversations with guys like Meek at Fremantle, Jordan Sweet at the Bulldogs. There's going to be a few others who I you know, can't think of at the top of my head at the moment, but we're going to have to get someone because Reeves, as we've seen, is going to be a really good player, but he's, you know, two to three years off playing, you know, full seasons. His body is still not ready to, you know, for the rigours of a full season. Max Lynch, as we've seen this season, yes, he's had a few unlucky things, but again, his body has let him down a few times as well. So the ruck is crucial, especially with Reeves. He's going to be a, a, a future star. We need to protect him at all costs. So I've heard discussion about Brody Grundy. I don't think he's going to be an option. He's not right for us at the moment with our list build. It'll be more like, uh, you said, a third or fourth string type of player. I think we start next season with Reeves and uh, Lynch is the one and two, but we absolutely need a more senior, bigger-bodied player there as our backup. And we see the other thing now is, yet again, Hawthorne looking for captain. Seems to be a sort of two-year run at the moment to be captain of Hawthorne, two years and out. Um, so that process will start again uh, over summer. Sam Mitchell, you know, he didn't, there was no leadership group at Hawthorne this year. It was McAvoy and then a whole lot of others coming in underneath. So we did a poll. What was the final result of the poll? Yeah, we had nearly 400... Uh... 400 responses to the poll, which was just put up this morning. Uh, and, I mean, it was overwhelming in its support for James Sicily uh, to be the next captain. There were quite a few comments suggesting that Jager would be a popular captain amongst the group. Uh, I personally, for what it's worth, feel like it's time. We've done the two years of captains in holding patterns at a time for the last few appointments. And we're clearly ready for this group to go places as a group. I'm ready for the next four or five year captain. And for me, it is absolutely James Sicily. He's possibly our best footballer. He will be in amongst it every single game. He's been consistent with his performances. He fits the age bracket perfectly. He's got the five year contract. Uh, So... Uh, he's he's my pick, but yeah, that is definitely something that is no doubt front and center of uh, of Mitch's mind at the moment. Yeah, we'll again, we'll have a lot of time in these spaces in the off season to debate this more in depth. And um, I think that well, we won't probably know until January or February, so there'll be a lot of opportunities for us to discuss this uh, going forward. Um, let the lobbying internally begin. Um, Clarko is never far from anyone's thoughts. You cannot go turn on a footy show, pick up a paper without his future being front and centre. We'll see how that plans out. But if you believe in conspiracies, uh, Brad and Andrew, there has been no retirement announcement for Liam Shields, um, who has been picked in the uh, extended squad for Sunday. And I suggest everyone get along to watch him probably for the last time in the brown and gold. The thinking was, was uh, Metro Footy classified last night, and it really does make a whole lot of sense that uh, if Clarko was to go to North Melbourne, less so if he goes to Giants, but if Clarko was to go to North Melbourne, then a guy like Liam Shields would be a perfect player to go there as a for 12 months as a player and uh, potentially a bit longer off the field to help create the sort of culture that he likes. Um, Clarko absolutely loves Liam Shields. Absolutely. And as each day goes by, Clarko to North is looking like it's going to happen. We'll know by the end of next week his decision's going to be made. He is going to be coaching uh, next season. It's just whether he goes to GWS or uh, North Melbourne. Ken Hinckley came out tonight with a statement to say Ken Hinckley's safe at Port Adelaide. I know Port were another option for Clarko, but it's down to GWS and uh, North, and I think he'll 
he'll end up getting, you know, probably a, at least a four, if not a five-year deal to coach North. And Shields going there uh, with him, I would say, is a more likely uh, than not. The other one, which is left field, which may happen, is uh, Gunston, which is a watch this space. He's been awesome for us uh, this season, but he's coming out of contract and he's the type of one who are North Melbourne who can offer him, similar to what the reports are with Dyson at Heppel uh, to Gold Coast, that four-year deal, a two-year playing, two-year coaching deal. I don't, I can't see Gunston wearing a North Melbourne jumper, but stranger things have happened. If you offer someone like Gunston, say, four to five years, you know, a two- or three-year playing deal and then a two-year coaching deal with a large amount of cash, it's going to be hard for him to say no. So that's a watch the space. What I find super, super interesting about this, and I say it before I cop the backlash with, I've got the greatest respect for Alistair Clarkson, hero statues, all of that jazz. But when we got rid of him, you know, he's the GOAT. How could this be done? He could walk into any single team he wanted. Everyone's going to be banging the house down for him. I think it sort of turned out a little bit differently to what even he would have thought six months ago, where actually at the moment... It's North Melbourne and it's GWS. And uh, he doesn't really have everyone beating the house down, for beating the doors down for him. And he, yeah, if they were two of six clubs that were, you know, coming at him, uh, I'm not convinced that he would be really excited to be the coach of North Melbourne. But... Uh, I guess circumstance is a funny thing, isn't it? I think he's mad, Clark. I reckon he should wait for 12 months to be coach of Essendon. Um, he wants to coach a big club, and North is not that. And he's obviously desperate to get back into it. And, you know, there may be the romantic element of going back to be the saviour for the club he once played for. But, gee, if he wants to wait for 12 months' time, I reckon the Essendon job or the Port Adelaide job would be sitting there for him. And uh, he could do wonders at both of those clubs. Um and uh, you got Bulldogs as well. Bevo's going to be under the pump. Yeah, time he next could. Season. And they've got a, their list, the Bulldogs list out of all the clubs that uh, you've mentioned. They've got a list to win a flag in the next two years easily. I'm not sure if anyone saw Sam Darcy play last week. But with Darcy, Hugel Hagen, uh, English in the ruck in their uh, midfield. Liam Jones back there next year. You give Clarko the you put Clarko as the coach yeah. of the Bulldogs, and they'll be playing in a grand final in the next year or two. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I'm surprised he's so keen to. If his choice is North Melbourne and GWS, I'm surprised he wants to coach either of those two teams. He could. Yeah, well, he could just have another year off and get his extra four hundred and fifty thousand dollars that we've got to pay him. I don't think he. Need, I don't think Clarko's short of. Does he need? Does, does he still get the money for? I suppose he still get the money if he does coach next year. Because it was, don't think so. Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it okay to to okay? It was okay to spread it over the two years as long as he's not working within the industry within that time frame or that money is foregone. Yeah, maybe was my yeah. Answer. Not your homework. I'll see if I can find something out for next week. So all these things were were a lot more to talk into uh, talk about in the next. I also want to save the discussion about. Uh, if you're redoing the Hawthorne team of the century, would Ben McAvoy go in as the as the second ruck? I said yes. Someone very strongly reached out to me today and said absolutely, it should always be Paul Salmon. But again, these are discussions that we can have when there's no actual games to talk about. Let's get into the game on the weekend. Hawthorne v Richmond, or as I said, Richmond v Hawthorne. More to the point, MCG, 1.10pm Sunday. Get there. I believe it is a member replacement game. For Hawthorne members, the last game at the MCG, the last game in Melbourne for the year. It's all a bit sad, really. It's been a, a fun year to watch Hawthorne, and it'll be, a, it'll be with a tinge of sadness that we uh, get to the end of this game because I've, I've enjoyed going to football to watch them this year. Hawthorne have uh, brought in four players Dan Howe, Jack Saunders, Jackson Callow, Liam Shields into the squad, Sam Butler omitted. All four of those players are on the extended bench at the moment. Not sure what Sam Butler's done to be omitted. 
possibly, I don't know, this, I don't have the figures in front of me, whether it's to... Six touches last week. Yeah, probably struggled, but uh, maybe this makes him Box Hill eligible for the finals. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him to play some Box Hill finals as well. Um, so the team for the back line is um, Sicily, Blank, Denver, Granger, Barras. Is it the first time the three of them have played the same team? I think it could be. Well, that'll be fascinating to see how that uh, lines up. Scrimshaw, Hardwick, Will Day, um, Ward, Nash, Morrison, Harfors, Impey. Your Tarrant sent half forward for Hawthorne on Saturday, on Sunday. Andrew with Dylan Moore. He's been moved out of the midfield. <laughs> what a disgrace. <laughs> Jago Mira, the other flank. Fords, Kaczynski, Gunston, Bruce, Rux, McAvoy, Newcomb, Mitchell. Bench from Jekker, McGuinness, Sarong, Shields. I think that'll probably be the four. McDonald, Callow, Howe, and Saunders. Um, Hawthorne play on Saturday in the VFL. Box Hill play in the VFL on Saturday. So I guess we'll have a reasonable idea. Uh, who the sub will be, and they'll probably leave one out as well, just uh, in case someone gets crook. But uh, the Box Hill watchers will be able to establish all that on Saturday. Uh, Richmond have named a pretty strong squad. They've had Soldo, Mansell, and Edwards to their squad. Edwards comes uh, straight in the side. Edward, oh no, you know he's on the extended bench. I can't believe he wouldn't play. It'll be his last home game, I think, before he retires. So. Uh, Take the bank that Shane Edwards, Shane Edwards will play. Brad, do you think it's a winnable game? I'm not so sure. I think they're looking at their bigger bodies and think they'll probably find a way to beat Hawthorne up. They've named Nick Floston. I'm not sure whether he will play. He's had a rib injury. I can't see him playing. Good player, Floston. And they've uh, got no Grimes, no Dusty, who always... There's Dusty always plays well against Hawthorne, so... I don't think we're going to win. I just I think it is a winnable game, but Richmond just have too much uh, to play for. You know who always plays well against uh, Hawthorne? He's Camden McIntosh. Yeah, he's, he, yeah he, the Camden's had yeah, a pretty good season. Well, he always plays well against Hawthorne. Yeah. What do they do, do with Bolton? Enough. Well, that's the interesting one. Uh, Dim is obviously going to play on him uh, when he plays forward. I think he's a really good uh, matchup for him. Who Finn goes to is an interesting one because Richmond have their uh, midfielders are in pretty good form. Prestia, uh, Cochin's been really strong in the last few weeks. Uh, Rioli is another one. He's been kicking our goals. He's had a really, really good season. Uh, he's a player who the Tigers might lose. I've, I've heard talk that he might be one who they could potentially lose come trade period. I've heard uh, Willie uh, Rioli from uh, the at Eagles is a good tra- chance to join his cousin, uh, Morris Jr., uh, next season there. So it's going to be an interesting game. Richmond will win. I think they'll win by, you know, probably three or four goals in the end. Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt will probably be too strong. But I think we'll put up a good performance. As you said, it's our last game in uh, Melbourne for the season. We match up pretty well against uh, the Tigers, but I'm pretty sure we've only beaten them once since 2016. They've had uh, the wood yeah, over beat, us. Beat so them in front of no people. I was there, but beat them in front of no people at the MCG in 2020. It's funny games, Richard. They we match up well, but don't early. That that made us. That got us to three and one that year. It did that game. The thing about Richmond is, uh, no, I think it was. Two and one because they played North. They they they, they lost to Geelong to be one and one. First game back, then they beat Richmond. The, the next game, I think, and I think North was three and one, and then it all went to all went to uh, the poo after that. I think the thing about Richmond is they're usually close games, but always their bigger bodies do something that sort of find a way to win. I think it's going to be the same on the weekend. I don't see Hawthorne losing by a lot, but I don't. I, don't, I do see them. I do see them losing, unfortunately, looking at the squads. But maybe, unfortunately, is not the uh, way they'd be looking at it at Hawthorne. I think, as I said, there's eight quarters to go for Sam Mitchell to have a look at uh, things and shake things up. Uh, you got a margin, Andrew? I think we'll lose by about six or seven goals. Oh. Uh, I'm far less optimistic than you two. Uh, I hope Trout's right, by the way, and that Richmond just fall away enough somehow uncharacteristically we're able to run all over the top of them. But, um, yeah, looking at the actual quality of the game against Gold Coast uh, and thinking about it, if we bring that game against an opposition that can play, we would actually get 
quite handsomely done. And I think that's hate to, you know, bring, bring the uh, levels down because it's been such a great, fun, positive night, but I think we're going to get done on the weekend. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, reckon, yeah I reckon that yeah, Tigers by four or five goals, but it's going to be a really good test uh, f- uh, for the midfield. We'll obviously see Ward, uh, Jai will obviously be in there, Finn as well against guys like Cochin and Prestia. Richmond have a really good young kid who I've watched closely the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, Sonsi, uh, Tyler Sonsi. He actually played for Box Hill Hawks at the end of uh, last season. We could have picked him up in the draft. He was a slider. He was a highly touted uh, youngster. But I've watched him closely. He's going to be a really, really good player. He's going to be the replacement for Cochin in a few years' time, when probably the end of this year if Trent hangs them up or the end of uh, next year. So I reckon him against... Uh, Ward's going to be fascinating in the midfield. He's Connor McDonald's best Blank. mate. Oh, he's, he's, he's Connor's best mate, yeah. So that'll yeah. be really, really they good to watch. They sat next to um, each other watching the draft. And when, oh, he was in when the, McDonald was got picked there. by Hawthorne... He was upset, I remember that. Sonsi you know. knew... No, Sonsi was thrilled because he knew he'd be going to Richmond. Oh, he was going to... He's a Richmond yeah, supporter, so... No, it worked out very well. They're, 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 they're both part of the, uh, I think, part of the Connors stable and they're, uh, yeah, Connors, yeah. And they're, and they're best mates. So uh, that's why I do hope McDonald plays. If you're looking at him, I think McDonald might be the sub this week, I suspect. That might be the way. Yeah. And blank on uh, Tommy Lynch. He's going to be a really good uh, matchup. Going to be good. Uh, to yeah, it'll be good. So we will hope to see you all at the MCG for final game of the year in Melbourne. It's sort of the final game of the season. There's still one more to go after that down Tassie against the Bulldogs, which, depending on how results go this weekend, could be a really huge game for the Bulldogs. Um, so, and Hawthorne did actually demolish it last year. So, a little bit to play for. We'll enjoy this game. Um, we see any housekeeping to take care of before we go? Oh, maybe we'll just leave the last word for Trout, who's jumped back on <laughs> Trout. How are you seeing uh, the game unfold on, on the weekend? Trout no, is tra- he's, he's uh, peddling hard. Just like his prediction. He's peddling uh, hard. Totally he's fallen away at, at the, the end. end. That's right. Yeah. Uh, keeping him with that. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. On the Hawks Insiders, uh, it has been it's five dollars a month, three dollars a year for great Hawthorne content. Um, we will talk to you again over the weekend with our review podcast and our review articles, and we'll be back to enjoy the last week of the season. Hopefully, a bit closer to full strength with Danny and Daz and Mora back in the lineup as well. And then uh, we'll also let you know hopefully what our off-season plans are, but certainly based on last season, there was a lot of interest, certainly around trade time. We'll think we'll keep these going, if not weekly, then fortnightly, I suspect, over the first part of the off-season because people can never get enough talking about the Hawks. So thank you, everybody. Thanks, Trout, for being part of our uh, our spaces tonight. Also, James, for your great question as well. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend, everyone. And we'll talk to you again next week on the Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night.